such a privilege and honor to be here today. I have the assignment to start a new series uh, entitled Why Reconciliation? I'm excited to begin this 11-week series entitled Why Reconciliation? If this is your first time or you've been hanging around Grace City for a little while, you've heard us talk about reconciliation. The mission of our church is by the grace of Jesus Christ. We're reconciling people to God and to one another. Over these next 11 weeks, we're going to double down on what it means to, to be, what reconciliation means and what it means through the scriptures that all of us are called to be reconcilers and why Jesus Christ's ultimate mission was to reconcile us back to, his, to the Father. Our next two weeks, we're going to take a look at the problem and why we need reconciliation. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you. We celebrate you for the God that you are. You are the potter. We are the clay. Mold us, shape us, make us, break us to what you need us to be. Holy Spirit, we give you full authority. Minister through our minds. Speak with our tongue. Love with our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's children say Amen. You may be seated in his presence. <clears throat> but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? For the time that's mine this morning for a little while, I just want to preach from this topic. God's determination charts the course for reconciliation. God's determination charts the course for reconciliation. Great City, I need you to understand and remind you that the mission of our church is to reconcile people to God and to one another. The mission can be confusing because if I were to ask each and every one of you all to define the word definition, I would get 80 to 100 different definitions. But I want to begin today just landing us with one definition. And again, I apologize because the organization of this sermon came together on Friday and my slides are due on Thursday. So... Uh, there are a lot of things that won't be on the screen that I will bring back next week. Uh, so y'all just pray for the pastor. But Brenda Salter McNeil defines the word reconciliation this way. She said reconciliation is an ongoing spiritual process involving forgiveness, repentance, justice that restores broken relationships, systems, to reflect God's original intent for all creation to flourish. For all creation to flourish. Grace City, there would be no need to have a vision statement of reconciliation if relationship with God and one another was not broken and all of humanity was flourishing. If we did not have broken relationship and we were flourishing, then there would be no need for us to have a mission statement of reconciliation. This broken relationship and lack of flourishing found through two things 
I want us to look at this morning. The existence of Satan's deception of God and man's distance from God. These are the two things that is the wedge, the thing that opens up the wedge. The word deception means to get someone to believe something that is not true, typically to gain some personal advantage. Anybody know about deception? Anybody been deceived before? Hallelujah. Grace City, I believe the enemy have launched one of the greatest deception cyber attacks that we have seen in our time. This cyber attack from the enemy has caused us to question whether God even loves us. This cyber attack have, have us question whether our faith is even necessary. He has launched this deception cyber attack that caused us to even question the relevance of the church. He has launched a cyber attack of deception that has us questioning whether God is real. This cyber attack that the enemy has, has brought forth have us questioning the very foundation of our faith. This cyber attack that is being attack of deception have us questioning, is the word of God true? I want you to understand there's a cyber attack of deception that have us questioning our faith. Again, deception is getting someone to believe something is true that is not true in order to have a personal gain. Grace City, I want you to understand that the enemy wants to deceive us so we can lower the value of God in our lives and then lower the value of our relationship with one another. When the value is reduced, when we create distance from God, from one another, that's how distance is created with one another. When our independence, instead of interdependence, we create distance. When we have self-sufficiency instead of God-sufficiency, we create distance. When our self-reliance instead of God's reliance, we create distance. This just doesn't create distance between God and humanity, but this same thing creates distance between you and me. When I sit and I look at my self-reliance and, 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 and independence and not understand the value of who you are, guess what, church? It creates distance. When I look across the aisles and I don't see the value in you, then I am creating distance. When I look at your problem and fail to see it as my problem, I am creating distance. When I look at your life and lack empathy and sympathy for your life, I create distance. Grace City, Satan's deception and man's distance from God is the problem why we need reconciliation. It was never intended for us to live in this deception and distance from God and from one another. In order for this problem to be solved, we need determination to be reconciled back to our God and to one another. And I come by here to tell you this morning that there's nothing in and of yourself that could close this distance that was created. But I have good news for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I'll tell you that our God can close the distance this morning. This is where we are in the text. Genesis chapter 3, which is titled oftentimes the fall of man. But in chapter 1 and 2, we find flourishing 
and God's original intent. We find God's creation story where the earth was formless and dark and God spoke, let there be light. Hmm. And God brings the chaos into order by simply speaking, let there be light. Well, that light, John writes what that light was. He says, in the beginning was the word. Oh, my goodness. And the word was God. And the word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. And through him, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made. He says, in him was life. That life was the light of all mankind. And that light shined. And darkness, and the darkness was overcome. <laughs> Woo, y'all don't know when to get excited over preaching. And from there, God began to create. <laughs> he stepped back and created the heavens and the earth. <laughs> he stepped back on day two and created the sky. Y'all don't like this kind of preaching? God, he stepped back and created dry land. He stepped back and created the stars and the moons and he stepped back and created life in all living things and water. And each time he stepped back, he said it was good. Oh, he had to celebrate himself. It's good. He celebrated himself. It's good. But all of a sudden, he gets to day six, and he creates man. He uses, he changes the pronouns, if you will. He says, let us make man in our image. Good God Almighty, y'all don't know when good preaching is. He said, let us make man in our image. In other words, he created you in his image. The image of God lives inside of you. He created you through his image. And then, church, he gives you his assignment. And I know in Bible study, let me correct your Bible study teacher, because this is where the real assignment is. Your teacher told you that our job is to be good so that we can get to heaven. And that what y'all learn? And so you work hard, you try to be good, and then you want to get to that good old Sunday morning. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing it will be. That's not your assignment to get to heaven. I come to tell you this morning, God didn't just create you to create a ropes course for you to get through and just get to heaven and say, I'm here. I pass. But Genesis 1 and 26 tells us what the assignment was. He says, let us make man in our image and let them have dominion dominion domain king dominion king's domain the assignment is that heaven is now he creates a construction project so that which is in heaven can now come to earth and you have authority over it that's what's the kingdom assignment that when we are on earth and heaven is down on earth, and we are managing that worth, then we are flourishing. Am, are we all right? That's good theology? 
Okay, let me, let me move on. But here it is, we have a second creation story. And then there's a second creation story, and in this creation story, we find the first not good. No, I'm not falling asleep yet. Uh, we have the first not good in Scripture. And the not good is, it is not good for man to be without a community. Oh, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for us to function isolated in our homes, not in fellowship and community. It is not good, church, to not have, uh, this is the first not good, church, that we should not uh, be alone. And then he gives them a suitable helper and, and, and they get to be partnership and they go down and he ends the chapter with something that's so profound. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25 says, and when Adam and his wife were together, watch this, and they were naked and unashamed. Wow. They were naked and unashamed. I'm going to cross over to chapter 3. Walk down 10 verses, and we find these words. And Adam was hiding and ashamed. And my question this morning, how did we go from naked and unashamed to naked and hiding? What happened, Grace City, between being naked and unashamed and naked and hiding? Well, I believe this very moment is the place where we are in need of reconciliation. It is the moment that we need for an ongoing spiritual process involving forgiveness. It is in this moment that for repentance and justice to be restored, broken relationships and systems to reflect God's original intent for all creation. It is in this moment that we need, oh, church, reconciliation. What happened, church? What happened? And I want to argue, and I just want to lift three things. I just want to lift three things. That there were three things in existence. And I, I just want you to understand, and I, I simply want to lift these three things because I believe you can take any broken relationship and find these three things. I just want to lift them up and I'm taking a seat this morning. The first one I want you to understand is that Satan's deception was in existence. Deception was in existence. Here it is right here. But God said, you must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. Or you will not certainly die, the serpent said, the woman. For God knows what you eat and your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. And when the woman saw the fruit and it was good and food pleasing to the eye and also desirable wisdom, she took some and ate and gave it to her husband. And so they ate it. Listen, church. God gave Adam and Eve a million trees in the garden. 
and told them not to eat from one tree. And all of a sudden, they decide that they're going to eat because they were deceived by, uh, it says serpent, but we know Revelation defines this as Satan. That they were deceived by Satan and ate the one tree that God told them they couldn't have. We find the first need for forgiveness here. We find the need for the first time grace. We find man was in communion with God and now this communion is broken. Satan, the opponent of God, chief evil angel, set out to spoil relationship between God and those in his image. His evil work was tempted them to go beyond the limits God set to be independent of God and to put themselves in a place of God and make their own decisions, rule their own lives, to be independent judge of right and wrong. Grace City, I come to tell you, you show me where there's brokenness in relationship, and I show you there's a deception that's there. I show you that something is misunderstood, that someone is trying to create a message that's not true. Satan uses deception. And I come to tell you, church, don't be fooled. Deception is real. We, that is one of the greatest cyber attacks that's going on is deception. And the sense of man and woman gain knowledge of good and evil, but from the standpoint of guilty, and they are now in the standpoint of guilty sinners, but not from the standpoint of a holy God. They knew evil through doing it, but in the result of feeling the shame as for the deceiver, certain his humiliation would be the symbolism of the snake wriggling in the dirt. Church, I come to tell you this morning that deception is real. I come to tell you this morning that Satan is real. We have a real opposite force that is real in our lives. Because we got, at times we have to ask ourselves, what is this? Sometimes it's a force bigger than what we see in front of us. So first of all, this existence, I want you to own this, that Satan's deception exists. But then the second thing I want you to understand, that man's distance exists. Man's distance exists. Let me show you this. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked, so they sold fig trees together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man of his wife heard the Lord as he was walking in the garden, cool the day, to hit him from the garden. Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, Genesis 2, chapter 25, and I told you they were, they were naked and unashamed. And now we find them hiding. They are hiding, covering themselves in order to create distance from God. I would argue this morning, I would argue this morning, can I, can, can I give you a nice argument this morning? This is my argument this morning. That many times we were taught in Sunday school, because they, it was disobedient, sometimes they say the apple, whatever the fruit was, they ate the fruit and that created the distance. I want to argue this morning that the disobedience of God created a wedge. <laughs> Stay with me. Let me work through it. I would like to argue this morning that the 
eating of the fruit that God told them not to created a wedge. I would like to argue this morning that the disobedience of Adam and Eve did not catch God by surprise. And I'm using the totality of scripture. I will even argue this morning that God actually had a plan for that based on what we see in the totalities of scripture. It ain't the first time now, 6,000 years later, that God has dealt with us not obeying him. Can we get a witness here? So can we can agree that God didn't, it's not caught by surprise, the disobedience. So I believe that was simply a wedge. The distance was created because they thought they could hide from an all-seeing and knowing God. The distance was created when they are hiding from an all-knowing and an all-seeing God. Can I say this to you? You doing wrong is a wedge. Your hiding is creating the distance. I'm, 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 I'm pastoring right now. Your hiding creates the distance. <laughs> Can I work it? I must not. I'm going to work it this way. Here it is. Pastor Bob often tells a story that I love. He always tells this story about him and Cole and hide and go seek. And, and, and listen, y'all, I love this story because uh, he would say, uh, Cole, ready or not, here I come. And, and he, was, he would go, and Cole would go hide. And he would say, where's Cole? Where's Cole? And this is the thing. This is where the story twists a little bit. Bob knows exactly where Cole is. But Cole is hiding. He's, and then he knows his feet is moving and all that stuff. But watch this. Bob knows exactly where he is. But he said, where's Cole? Where's Cole? And then finally, as the time go on, Cole gets nervous because he want to be found. And so he, oh, so, so he says, I'm right here. And then Bob opens up the door. He jumps in the arms of Bob and say, I win. Let's play again. Because the object for Cole is not to be lost, but to be found. All right, but but, but that, that's good. That, Bob does that. He does that well. But let, let, let me stretch it. Let me stretch. Let, 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 let me stretch it. I ain't still this for you. What would it look like is when God said, where are you? Adam jumped in his arms and say, I'm here. I'm found. I believe his story might have looked different because we have a God through the scriptures, that's willing to cover you even when you're wrong. But they decided to cover themselves. What would it look like if Adam had done what Cole did to his father? Wow. Okay. I'm going to move on. And the last part where I find the hope is, well, first of all, we have 
Satan's deception. Second thing, we have minds distanced. But the last and most important part is we have God. God's determination. Listen, church. In verse 9, God walks up and says, Adam and Eve have done this. They have eaten from this tree. They have messed up. And they are hiding, church. And, you know, we were taught in Sunday school. I don't know about you, but I was taught. It was just bad theology that God can't look on to our sin and that he's got to keep himself away from us in our sin. How many of y'all heard that before? That, that God is not a God that can look on sin. It, 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 it. Well, watch this, church. They ate the fruit. And the text says, God is asking, where are you, Adam? Let me show you the scenario. They would meet every day in the cool of the day in communion. Every day they would meet up. And God simply showed up and did what God does every day. He showed up, but Adam and Eve wasn't there. Let me say it again. They ate the apple, whatever the fruit is, and God still showed up, which says their sin, their mistake didn't keep God from showing up. As a matter of fact, it, I believe it was God's determination that chart the course, <laughs> that's my point right there, for reconciliation. God pursued them. Where are you, Adam? Where are you? Anybody excited about a God that pursues you? Hallelujah. Church, Here's the problem, and I'm, I'm getting out of here for real this time. For real. You know, there is this thing. My children, all of them, had to get braces before, right? All of them. Uh, we got all of them. <laughs> Anybody know about the braces game? Anybody had to do <laughs> And so, <laughs> um, you know, the, the doctor, you know, they're real smart people, and he used this medical term. He said, you know, your children have oral myodysfunctional habits. I said, oral myodysfunctional habits. And, other, and AKA, they, the way they use their mouth and eat stuff is causing their teeth to separate. <laughs> it's what he tells us. And so we go to the dentist and... They give us the solution, church. They say, I'm going to recommend an orthodontist, and your children are going to have to get braces. The orthodontist then utilizes a bracket, extremely durable bond, material, arch wire ligament, plastic to gradually pull the teeth, anybody know what I'm talking about, <laughs> back together over time. Every four weeks, church, they must return to the orthodontist to have braces adjusted, which continually applies the new pressure, causing the teeth to further keep the teeth from further shift or shifting them in the right direction. 
It is actually these adjustments, church, that causes the teeth to be pulled back together or reconciled with their desired structures and position over time, which is the end game. There is a countless people throughout the whole world, even in this church right now, that have settled for crooked teeth and opted not to get braces. I'm a witness. Instead, they have made the decision to tolerate the gap, the distortion in their mouths to avoid the brace and the painful price of getting their teeth corrected. Let me come get you. Grace City, reconciliation is the pulling together that's which been separated and making that which is crooked in our hearts straight. And the problem is that the process is necessarily painful, grueling, and demanding, but the end game is worth it. God saw our crookedness and separation, and, from, and he wrapped himself around us through his brace. And he is the one that pulled us back together. He was willing to bear the pain, the shame, the pressure, the judgment on the cross, that you and I could be pulled back to the Father. Great City, our world needs a brace, need braces that wraps around the brokenness, the estrangement, and the separation of masses across the globe. But here's the question for us. Are you willing to be dis moved towards dis discomfort, pain, and adjustment for the sake of reconciliation? Grace City, I've learned that, a, that there's nothing in ourselves as a sinful people that we can move and fix this gap. As a matter of fact, when we try to do it, it's nothing but a mild dysfunctional habit. Grace City, God's determination is to chart the course of reconciliation. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you so much for this time together. We thank you for this word. God, thank you for bringing us together as a people. Thank you for the power of this gospel, that you are God that continues to pursue us. You never left us alone. We know that Satan deception exists. We know that man's distance is real. But God, we know you are determined to reconcile us back to you. And we love you, God. It is your determination that charted the course of reconciliation. In Jesus' name, amen.